So we're going to be in John chapter 2 this morning. There's probably from here on out we're going to be in John quite a bit. Um, I may jump to some. It shouldn't. We shouldn't be thanking them for being an amazing teacher. We should be thanking them for what? What's that? For allowing God to use them, for being available. Who, who's teaching the word? Somebody's standing there speaking, but is God speaking? Because if God's not speaking, what's the benefit? What can we do on our own? Nothing. We can maybe, and there are plenty of people who do this, we can maybe fill a big church, a big auditorium, a big whatever with a lot of people because we say things that people like. What's the benefit? Not benefit for, for eternity. Um, when you tell stories of how God has been at work through you, who do you give the glory to? For Jesus to accept the glory for making water into wine was not a problem. That's not an issue at all. Even though throughout the Gospels he was always pointing back to the Father. He is God. He can take the glory. For us to accept the glory is beyond dangerous. Why? Because we'll be struck by lightning? No, because we'll start to believe we can take some credit for what we have done. Might be eaten with worms. What's that? Might be, might be eaten with worms, yeah. That was, that was yeah, yeah. Yeah, don't touch the glory, right? Um, he's the one who does any good thing through us. What do you have that you have not been given? If you haven't thought about that, I encourage you to sometime. Just think about, well, actually, I've got, no, I don't, he gave me that. Well, I've got, no, that, that all came from him. You know, you, you get down to the very base. There's nothing that I can claim that I have, even the breath in my lungs, that he has not given me. So I can't claim anything. I think I mentioned this at some point, but, you know, if you saw the Jesus Revolution movie, um, there was that point when Lonnie Frisbee, you could tell he was, he, he, he basically was coming going, Lord, why aren't you using me anymore? And I don't think that he was, you know, ups, upset because he didn't know the Lord or he wasn't hearing from the Word or whatever, but he enjoyed the success. He enjoyed people coming to the Lord, which is a good thing. But if the Lord says, okay, it's time for you to step aside. No, 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 I still need to be used. Then we're saying, Lord, I know better. And that's a scary place to be. So the point I'm trying to make is this. Can you make water into wine, walk on water, or move mountains? Yes, you can. Kevin? So, uh, I find it very interesting that God gave Abraham a gift. And, but yet, Abraham has a 
on the altar. Yeah. I think sometimes he calls us to do that. So, yeah. You know. Yeah. And that's a hard thing, but I think the issue is that that if the if you begin to to worship the gift rather than the giver. Right. You go wrong. Yes. You know. Yeah. And so that's what I think of in that Lonnie Frisbee right. situation. You know. Yeah. Is, is uh, God's protecting us from worshiping the gift right. and not worshiping him. Yeah, yeah. I've given you the ability to be involved with me in this success. And we start to think, well, it's important that I'm involved in that same thing. So what you're saying is Christ isn't enough? No, he's not enough. I, I, need, to be, I need to feel significant by being involved in this work. Christ makes you significant. He has saved you. He has reached out. He has, you know, you are significant. He has clearly made it clear that you are. And that, that had to be very confusing for Abraham. Right. And, uh, but he had to trust God in that. Right. And what an amazing picture Abraham was of faithfulness to God and, and trust that because God said, "This is the the one who's gonna that my, you know, that's gonna carry on the seed," and and so He told me to sacrifice him. So I'm gonna go do that. I'm not sure what He's gonna do, but He's got a plan. Yeah. Um. So getting back, can you make water into wine? Walk on water? Move mountains? Yes. If that's what God has for you to do. If His purposes are furthered by those actions, then yes, you can. You can do those things. But it's not about you. It's not about me. And as soon as I make it about me, I've already failed. So Jesus performs a sign, a miracle. What was the result? There in verse 11, it says, He manifested His glory and His disciples believed in Him. What is our response when Jesus does miraculous things and uses another human being? Did we focus on that person or do we focus on the Lord? We are tempted to focus on the person. We are tempted to say, look at what amazing things that person is doing. Rather than saying, look at the amazing things isn't it a miracle that God is using a human being, a frail person, to accomplish what he's after, to accomplish his purposes? Are we ever tempted to follow a man rather than Jesus? We are. Again, I didn't think Charlie was going to be here today. If Charlie was hit by a bus tomorrow... How many people would stop coming to BB to Bernie Bible Church and look for another church? And not really look for another church, but look for another Charlie. If and when that ever happens here or anywhere else, God will raise up someone else who, is fa- who will faithfully preach the word. If you're not finding it, be praying for it. He will accomplish that. 
Anytime we hear the word preached faithfully, anytime we see a life changed as a result of another person spending time with that person, anytime we see amazing things happen, we should be praising God that he equipped that person for that moment and never forget that he could have accomplished all that he does, all that he has ever done without any human agent. He chooses to use us. Why? Only he knows that. Um, so I would just encourage you, when you see those who seem to be, you, be being used by the Lord, I really think the most we can say to them is not thank you for doing such amazing things, but rather thank you for being available for the Lord to work through you. I think that's already been said. Thank you for showing up, for saying yes when you probably would have preferred to say no. So just in conclusion, in the last couple minutes, do you believe your compassion outweighs God's? Do you think your distaste for sin is greater than His? Do you think sometimes He's too patient or perhaps not patient enough with others? Are you ever frustrated that God doesn't seem to be using you the way you think He should or the way you want to be? You lump of clay, who are you to say to the potter? This is what you should be doing. Do you sometimes feel like he is wasting your best talents and abilities? Is it possible that you have too much confidence in your own abilities in some areas for him to be able to use you? We forget that sometimes. We go, Lord, you've gifted me with this thing, and I'm really good at it. Yep, you've gotten really good at it. I need to use you in a totally different way. Totally, something totally different. Because now you're thinking too much that you've got it figured out. And sometimes it's the opposite. Yeah? Go ahead. Asking me to do something I feel totally inadequate to do. That's when he's talking to you. That's when he's saying, this is what I want you to do. When you feel completely inadequate, He's like, yes, this is perfect. Because go back to that statement. If he's using you, it means he couldn't find anybody less qualified. Because you are the one who's most, that he can work through most easily. Put it that way. Kevin, you were going to say something. I wasn't going to say something, but I will. <laughs> uh, Oswald Chambers talks about the false humility of saying, oh, God, oh I'm no saint. Right. You know, or I, I'm not this or that. Right. And that's almost, uh, that's also pride. Pride because yep. it underestimates what God can do. Right. So, yes, you need to be humble. Yes, right. you need to say, hey, you know, I can't believe God would ask me to do this thing, but don't underestimate God. Right. He can do anything with anybody he wants. Right. Our flesh can find a hundred different ways to, to manipulate. The situation regardless, one way or the other. We're, our flesh is really good at making sure it gets elevated and, and one way or the other. So um, I had a little bit more, but it's basically the same stuff, so I'm going to stop there. We're basically out of time, but if anybody's got any last thing, any last questions, thoughts, 
All right. Yep. One thing yeah. I find it interesting that this starts with on the third day. Yeah. That's interesting to me. And yeah. Jesus being glorified. Right. And the story right before this is the baptism. Right. And I find that interesting. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And you can only cover so much in 45 minutes. Yeah, Sue? Mm-hmm. If you want to see a miracle, her edict, if we could do it, is do what he says. Yeah, do what he says. Yeah, yeah. Goes along well, I think, with last week's what do you seek? Do what he says. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Yeah. Jack, will you pray for us? Amen. Thanks, guys. Button went. Oh, I like all these questions. So, um, anyway, that's kind of where we are, where we're heading. We've talked about some questions. We're going to talk about some more. So, let me pray. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for this um, opportunity to be here once again. I just thank you so much for this body of believers, for this family that we are, that you have made us to be by your Son. Thank you for Jesus for um, for giving us life, giving us true life, for um, taking our hearts of stone and making them um, soft and um, making them making them resilient toward you. Thank you for this time. We do ask that you would be the one to guide us. I pray that you would use the the feeble words that I have um, to your glory and to the enrichment of each one here. We praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so John chapter 2, I'm going to read the first 11 verses. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there, and both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does that have to do with us? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were six stone water pots set there for the Jewish custom of purification, containing 20 or 30 gallons each. Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots with water. So they filled them up to the brim, and he said to them, Draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. So they took it to him. When the head waiter tasted the water, which would become wine, and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the head waiter called the bridegroom and he said, and said to him, Every man serves the good wine first, and when the people have drunk freely, then he serves the poorer wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of his signs Jesus did in Cana Cana of Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. So um, typically what I have heard when I've heard this uh, taught, we, we tend to hear that Mary was 
probably helping out at the wedding. Maybe she, maybe this was a family member, and she's there helping that kind of thing. And that's a possibility. Um, I just want to throw out another possibility. It doesn't really change a whole lot, but it just kind of changed my thinking about it a little bit. It might change yours a little bit too. Um, it's not anything earth-shattering, not changing any doctrines, but it's just another way to look at this passage. So I want to start out by let's talk about Mary for a bit. We've talked about Mary some um, as we've talked about some of these questions. But um, how old would Mary be by now? So if Jesus is starting his ministry at 30, she's probably mid to late 40s, right? Probably mid 40s. Um, so what else do we assume about where she's at in life? She's probably widowed. I mean, it seems pretty... We haven't heard anything about Joseph since Jesus was 12, right? When they went to the... They go back to find him in the temple because he was um, there. That's the last time we hear anything about Joseph. Now it's 18 years later. Um, and so now she is mo almost certainly a widow. Um, how is she seen? What's her reputation? Right. A mother of an illegitimate child. Um, you know, initially people probably would have thought, well, she must have gotten pregnant by some other guy. But then when Joseph marries her, well, okay, they probably, you know, it was probably the two of them. And so that's why he went ahead and married her. Um, but the reality is she gave birth to the king of Israel. Right? King of the Jews. So she's the queen mother, right? has all the uh, pomp and circumstance that goes along with that. Is that what her life has been? No. No, it's not at all. The life of ease of a queen mother is not what Mary has experienced. Which brings up a question. What is life like for those who serve God? Is it all sunshine and roses? For most of the prophets. Yeah, most of the prophets. Um, tell me about some of those who served and followed the Lord who didn't have such easy times. Who do you think of? Jeremiah. Sorry? Stephen. David, I heard Jonah. Jeremiah. Jeremiah. I think of Isaiah. Isaiah. Stephen. Stephen. Who else? John the Baptist. John the Baptist. Elijah. Elijah. Job. Ezekiel, I still remember that story in Ezekiel where God says your wife's going to die and don't react, you know. Um, Noah, building a boat for 100 years, you can't imagine that he didn't get some ridicule for that, right? So there's plenty. Just the first thing, if we commit ourselves to following Christ, what should we expect? What did Jesus tell us we should expect? Persecutions, troubles. He didn't promise us a bed of roses. He didn't say this was all going to be, be just peachy keen and fun. So let's go back to thinking about Mary again. Mary's had a rough life. It hasn't all been 
all this wonderful thing for her. What kinds of qualities do you think her life might have produced in her? Humility, perseverance, resilience, Resi resilience faith. Anything else? Commitment. Commitment. I was thinking about compassion and empathy. Trust in the Lord. Do you imagine Mary got invited to all the best parties? I don't think so. Now, the text here, and this is where I'm going to depart a little bit from the normal, maybe. The text simply says Mary was at the wedding. It doesn't say if she was a guest. It doesn't say whether she, what her capacity was. She was there. Um, but it does say Jesus and his disciples were invited. And I'm going to go, go ahead and make the supposition that Mary was a guest at the wedding along with Jesus and his disciples. So it says she's there. It doesn't say what capacity she's there. Clearly, she knows someone there, it would seem. The reason I bring this up is, is as I was thinking about this, um, I can absolutely imagine my mom in a similar situa situation. When I was a teenager, my mom volunteered me for all kinds of stuff <laughs> that I was like, really? Uh, did I really need to do that? Um, but there were, she would see somebody that had a need that she couldn't meet. Somebody that just needed a strong back and a weak mind, you know? And yeah, my son can help you with that, right? She didn't volunteer me for things that she was capable of doing herself. It was the things that were beyond her. She would say, Jeff can go help you with that, right? Jeff, can, Jeff would you mind going? She would say it in a nice way, but, but clearly I didn't have a lot of choice. Yeah, do I want to look like a total jerk? Right, no. So I can totally picture my mom being a guest at this wedding, seeing the consternation on the faces of the servants and the head waiter, recognizing something's wrong, seeing them looking at the whatever the wine was in and going, what do we do? And out of compassion, asking herself, what can I do to help? And maybe not even asking, what can I do to help, but instead just thinking, they need help. And it comes from, comes from a heart of compassion. Someone needs to do something. And the next thought is likely, what are my resources? I don't have wine. I don't have money. She came from Nazareth. She's, you know, she's, she, she's poor, right? Um, Mary, having no sufficient resources of her own, maybe just an, expresses an observation and demonstrates her concern for the embarrassment that will be coming for this groom and his family. Knowing that running out of wine at a wedding was a major social faux pas. We've all heard that. We've all heard in this story when it's talked about, this was a big deal. You don't just run out of wine and then like, oh, going to run down to 7-Eleven and get another, you know, box of wine. Um, now, this was a big deal. Um, and this is a woman who knows what it's like to be on the outside of polite society. 
So I think she's full of compassion. Her heart breaks for what these people are about to endure because of the situation. Because she knows what it's like to endure these things. So again, as I've heard this before, you know, perhaps these folks were poor and they spent everything they had on the wine already and, and this is all they had and, and you know, more people showed up than they expected, whatever. You know, I thought perhaps the uh, patron of the family was stingy and a jerk and didn't care about the consequences, but Mary knew that his wife would pay the, the penalty for this um, in society. And maybe it was just poor planning. So whatever the situation, I believe Mary had a concern and a compassion that were bred from being considered an outcast. She had true compassion. So now she expresses this concern, and Jesus is there with her, and he responds in verse 4, Woman, what does that have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. So what do you think about that response? Was it disrespectful? It sounds like it to us. In America, if I said that to my wife, if I had said that to my mom, woman, you know, that's the way we'd expect it to come out, right? It would not be taken well, right? Yeah, yeah. Just, just being clear. Thank you, woman. No. <laughs> uh, but apparently in this situation and culture, it was a kind response. It was not, it was not that way. Um, and then he responded with, with what, my, what the notes in my Bible say is a, a Hebrew idiom, which basically, what to me and to you. So kind of like, so what? I, I don't know exactly what it meant, but it, it, wasn't, it didn't just come across as, what does this have to do with us? Um, but there is something, something that he's asking there, like, and my hours not yet come. Personally, I don't think at this point that Mary was, was looking to Jesus going, you need to do something about this. I think she just is expressing a concern. Jesus is there and she's like, oh, they don't have any wine. And he goes, so what's this got to do with us? My time hadn't come yet. And she's like, oh, wait, who's here with me? He could have just gone, yep, they don't have any wine. Okay, well, they should have planned better, right? Um, but I think this maybe woke Mary up to the fact that Jesus was there, and he had power at his disposal, and that perhaps he was prepared that he was on the cusp of beginning his public ministry. So I don't really think that Jesus had grown up doing miracles around the house, right? I don't think he'd done any miracle up to this point. And now this is an indication that it's all about to change. We, we may not get that full meaning through our English translations, but it's kind of the, the sense I get. Um, but I think maybe Mary didn't say something to Jesus because she thought, uh, because she thought he would step in and make water into wine, but she was exp ex simply expressing her heartache. 
Then when Jesus responds as he does, it's a signal to her that he may be actually be prepared to step in. So now that Mary's awakened to this idea that maybe Jesus is going to act, she says to the, um, the servants who are there, do whatever he tells you to do. Is this presumptuous on her part? Is it presumptuous of her to turn to the servants and say, whatever he tells you to do, do it? I don't think so. Because she didn't say, all right, Jesus, you need to do something. Jesus could have walked away and told them nothing. Was she demanding something of him? Was she demanding that he do anything? I don't think she was. I think she's just going... If he wants to do something, he can. So if he tells you to do something, do it. Why do you think she would assume that Jesus might do anything at all? Because she knew her son, and she knew if she had compassion, she knew he probably had 100% more. Yeah. She just understood who he was. Yeah. Yeah, she knew... She knew her son. She knew the compassion he had. She'd seen it. She hadn't seen the miracles at work yet because he hadn't done them yet. But something in his answer says to her, yeah, time, the time may be right. And she goes, he is full of compassion. If he's full of compassion and he's ready to do something, yeah, whatever he says to do, do it, right? And just like you said, she knew his compassion exceeded her own. She knew her heart was breaking for these people, and she knew his compassion was greater. Are there any lessons for us right there? Mm-hmm. You know, she had seen miracles, so to speak, with, with the birth of right. or the conception of him. Yeah. Uh, and believing that he could do what she's asking him to do. Right. And so I need to be that way. Uh, yeah. He, he said that I will complete the good work that I've started in you. I need to believe that. Yeah. When I look at myself, well, I change Right, right. When I see a problem that I don't have the solution for, what do I do with it? Bring it to Jesus. What's that? Bring it to Jesus. Yeah, bring it to Jesus. Kevin? It's interesting to me that um, she doesn't necessarily know what he's going to do. No, she has no idea what he's going to do. Right. To do anything. Right. She just says, do whatever you tell me. Right. You know, so she doesn't bring a solution. No. You know, she brings... She leaves it completely in his hands. Yeah. Yeah, whatever he tells you to do. Mavis, we're... I'm reminded of the verse that says, um, whenever it's in your power to do what is good, do it. Yeah. 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 I'm trying to find it. Yeah. I just read it. Right. Yeah. And also honor your father and your mother. Right. Right. And... And the things that are beyond us, which ultimately 
what, what, what's, what do we have the power to do? Apart from him, what can we do? Nothing. Mary saw a need that was beyond herself, her ability and her, and her resources. She had a heart of compassion. Her heart was breaking for somebody she cared about. She knew she didn't have the resources to deal with it. Then, when she was reminded of who it was she was in the presence of, she shifted her focus onto Jesus. So often, we are standing there, we're, we're dealing with, trying to deal with this situation, knowing that it's beyond us, but we're still racking our brain trying to figure out how I'm going to do it. What are my resources? What, what, what knowledge do I have? What, you know, whatever, rather than recognizing as much as I'm hurting in this situation, there's a God within me who loves this person, who cares about this situation, and has the power to do something. So knowing the depths of his compassion and the inexhaustibleness of his resources, which is completely different than me, my resources are about as deep as the dirt out here before you hit rock. Um, she pointed to him and walked away. I don't know if she literally walked away, but she put it in his hands. She said, it's yours. Like Kevin said, did she know what he was going to do? No. She didn't know if he was going to do anything at all. So why was she able to just point to him and take herself out of the situation? Because of what we've said. He loved these people more than she did. She had, he had greater compassion for them than he did, than she did. Getting my pronouns mixed up here. That's what happens in the 21st century, I guess. She could have confidence that he was going to do what was best for these people, even if it meant, meant nothing. If it meant letting them deal with this situation because he's perfect, because his compassion and his love are perfect, she could let go, say, it's yours. You deal with it. Um, do you ever feel like maybe you're more loving than God is? <laughs> do you ever feel like God's being too harsh with someone? Who knows their heart? Who knows what's going on in their heart? We think we know what's going on in their heart. We decide we know what's going on in their heart. We make up a whole scenario about what's going on in their heart. But only he knows what's in their heart. And he loves them more. I'm not saying that God may not be calling you to respond in love and compassion toward the, the, some person in need. That may very well be. But if he keeps putting up roadblocks, he's doing so for a reason. It's not because he doesn't love them, but because what loving them at that moment looks like is not for you to step in and bail them out. It's hard for us to accept that sometimes. Some of you out there, and I'm not one of them, so I can say this, some of you are rescuers. 
That's not my, that's not my nature. My kids can tell you, yeah, dad's not the one that's gonna step in and bail us out. Um, mom would be more that way. Typically moms tend to be more that way than, than dads do. Um, some dads are for sure, but um, sometimes the right thing to do is to just see what happens, see what the Lord's going to do. So then Jesus, in his compassion and love for these people, responds. He tells the servants to fill these six stone pots with water, totaling somewhere between 120 and 180 gallons. Tells them to draw some out, take it to the head waiter. The head waiter discovers arguably the best wine he has ever tasted and questions the bridegroom as to why he kept back the best wine until people were feeling a bit tipsy. The bridegroom's response is not recorded, but we can assume that he was dumbfounded as to where this new batch of amazing wine came from. Um, he's grateful but clueless as, as to how this happened. <coughs> So why didn't Jesus just make some average quality wine? He never does things halfway. He doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. It's an absurd question, isn't it? He does things perfectly. He does all things well. When he, uh, when he healed people, was it a 90% healing? When he cast demons out, did he cast out like 85% of the demons? No, I'm always blown away by his healings because you look at him, you look in the, you know, we're in the 21st century. We're in the age of medicine and all this amazing stuff we can do. And somebody gets a, you know, a knee replacement or they get, you know, whatever. They were unable to walk for a while and it takes months of rehab to try to get back to where they were, and some people never even get back all the way to where they were. Somebody who's never walked before, Jesus heals them, and they're out running a marathon immediately. You know, I mean, it's crazy. What he does, he does not just well, he does perfectly. Who made the wine? Did Jesus make the wine? So again, I'm going to, my assumption is Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit like no one on earth has been. Now, we're all filled the same. I don't mean to make it, say, it sound that way. He was filled with no sin nature. So he was completely available to the Spirit. But ultimately, he's not the one who made the wine. God is. He was trusting in the Lord's ability to do in him what, do through him what the Lord wanted to do. Um, ultimately, it doesn't matter because he is and was God. So what's my point? Why am I bringing it up? Because the same power at work in him is available in us. The same spirit that was in Jesus Christ while he was on this earth is in us. So you mean I can make water into wine? Sure, yes you can. You say, cool, I'm going to go do that right now. Is that how it works? Have you ever tried walking on water? 
Anybody succeeded? Not talking about barefoot skiing. That's a whole different thing. Sorry. Um, what did Jesus say about his followers doing miraculous things? 